The itsy bitsy spider went to the Amazon and spun a slingshot that captified Simone. Ultra fast movement can be analyzed, and her and her artists shall never be denied. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. You're listening to the Hashtag Getting Podcast, brought to you by Auburn University's Samuel Ginn College of Engineering. Hello, friends. Thanks again for tuning in to the best podcast in all of higher education, the award-winning Hashtag Getting, brought to you by the Samuel Ginn College of Engineering's Office of Communications and Marketing. I'm Jeremy Henderson, a communications and marketing specialist within the said office. Said office? said office yep either or <laughs> whatever uh that man talking there he's the director of the office his name is austin phillips uh, you may have heard him i'm barely talking my tongue is burned <laughs> what happened you gave me hot oh, sauce. the hot sauce <laughs> that's right what was it called like, like a hand grenade or hand something grenade yeah and it's literally in a glass bottle that looks like a hand grenade so i don't know why i thought it would have been hot i was trying to get a new host <laughs> that's what i figured <laughs> Uh, today we are joined by uh, someone I'm extremely excited to uh, talk to because I've been doing a little digging, Simone. That'd he be, does his research uh, every now and then. Yep. Ever heard of the slingshot spider? <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is going to be fascinating. Uh, Simone Alexander, a new assistant professor of chemical engineering. How long have we been here now? January. Ooh, not Ooh. long at all. Honeymoon is still going on. And you know you're special because you got those new photos. Yeah. You know what I mean? We only take pictures of the ones we like. Yeah. So. If we think you're going to stay, we'll go ahead and get some photos right. of your lab. <laughs> right. Early on. <laughs> nice. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for saying yes to this. Of course. I'm happy to be here. It's exciting. Well, so so happy to be here. What about happy to be at Auburn? What are we, four or five months in now? Yes, what, definitely. What are the impressions? What's um, going on? Absolutely amazing. Um, during my interview, I was like, there's no way these people can be this nice all the time. <laughs> but since we're about six months in, I, I think I, I think it's the truth. And well, we've had masks on, too, so you can make all kind of faces. Oh, yeah. That's true. All the mic impressions are hidden yeah. under the mask. Right. Deceit with eyes only. Yeah. Sure, sure. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, but okay. lived all around. So I've lived in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Kansas City, Missouri, Sioux City, Iowa. I was actually born in Sioux City, Iowa. So all over the U.S. Wow. Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Man. Uh, it's up well, there. Well, so, uh, so how'd you get here? Like, um, like, like talk, take us to the journey. Yeah. Wow. Torturous path. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, it is chemical engineering. Right, right. right. Um, so spent most of my time growing up in Denver, Colorado. Um, my mom growing up, she really wanted uh, to go to a historically black college university, Howard University. Um, but her parents didn't have the finances to send her. And so when it was time for me to go to college, she was like, hey, I'm driving you 24 hours across the country to Howard University. And I was like, OK, mom, it's just a school. But when I got there, it was absolutely amazing um, in the heart of Washington, D.C. So that's where I did my undergrad. While I was there, I got into kind of bioengineering style research. Um, and so that took me to Ohio, actually, where I did my PhD at Case Western Reserve University. Um, from there, I was in the polymer science and engineering department. So 
in the midst of doing chemical engineering, I realized I didn't want to go to a gas company, um, was more interested in tying kind of my love for nature and biology with research and, and solving challenges, designing new things. Um, and so I went to a material science and engineering department where my research used kind of chemical engineering fundamentals to design new materials um, and to understand biological systems. From there, um, I met my amazing spouse. Uh, he is an attorney. So think about that dinner with an attorney and an engineer. <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> um, fascinating debates there. But um, he actually started at a firm in Atlanta, Georgia. So when I was looking for a postdoc, like the stage in between grad school, becoming a professor, um, I started looking at Georgia Tech. And so that took me to Saad Baumler's lab, where I started studying those amazing slingshot spiders you mm. mentioned earlier. Um, and then from there, um, I knew I wanted to be a faculty member, I guess, heading into graduate school. I had met my PhD advisor. She is a woman of color. Um, and just seeing her life, knowing her story, I knew that that's what I wanted to do as well. Um, and so while there, I really fell in love with the Southeast. So I'm obviously from the West um, in Denver, Colorado. But the warmth, besides the humidity, my hair is naturally very curly. So this tends to poof. Mm, um, right, just poof. So besides the humidity, I love the South and the climate. So we wanted to stay in this area. So I looked at a bunch of Southeastern schools. But actually at the AICHE conference, I met um, a bunch of faculty from Auburn. And they absolutely blew me away. Um, I already had it on my list of places to apply to. But one thing you may notice is that in research environments, a lot of the people, they're not necessarily personable. And sometimes it can be really intense, especially me being a black woman, um, dealing with those microaggressions you mentioned earlier, things like that. It was more important to me to go to a place where I felt like it would feel more like home and like I would be welcome um, and that I could focus on my science more so than on, you know, battling all these politics and things like that. So um, when I met them there, it was amazing. I uh, went through the interview process and did my on-campus interview right before everything shut down. So um, with that, um, Mario Eden, the current chair of chemical engineering, he was at pretty much every stage of my interview. He walked me in between the different uh, uh, meetings that I had, which was rare. Usually you see the chair once a day. This time he was with me pretty much all day plus meals. Um, so it really made an impression, and it really wasn't a difficult choice for me to come here. I'd love to get his thoughts on uh, hi yeah. hiring you one day if one he ever day, decided to uh, maybe. Well, I'm not come I'm on not the show, but yeah. Well, I can tell you, I was on our directors and department chairs call once. You said yes, you agreed to it, and he announced that we were going to have a new member, and you could see the excitement on his face and hear it in his voice of how excited he was. So. Big time get for us. Well, you mentioned some of the uh, influences on you. Just within the department now, I believe that we now have the most full professors, full professors who are females in chemical engineering in the nation. It, unbelievable. <laughs> me. Unbelievable. So what does that say to you as someone who's new, as an assistant professor working toward tenure of seeing that light and, and seeing those examples in front of you? Um, it is unbelievable, like you like you said. Um, a lot of times, if there are other women in the department, they're still on the assistant professor level. And so you're still battling a lot of those things when it comes to getting tenure, when it comes to asking people questions about, for instance, family life, things like that, and worrying what the impressions will be. So like coming in, I had my son last June, so he was six months old when I started here. I had 
um, faculty that were already tenured that were women that I could talk to about their process when they were starting that I wouldn't worry about being judged of oh is she being productive is she spending too much time on her family um, which is a crazy thing to think about but it, it's true um, and to me it also says that it's I guess tenure here and and just the environment here is conducive to being a woman and being yourself and being true to yourself and still being successful in your field. And that means a lot because a lot of times it's a revolving door and people move in or move out just as quickly as they move in. Right. So, right. Yeah. Well, Jeremy's got a litter of kids and mm-hmm. he's doing all right. I'm too, doing just man. Totally Getting her done. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How many you got now? Four or five? Three that I know oh, of. Three that you know of. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. no, it's it's going well for me. So, if you need any, you know, advice <laughs> along those lines, I'm here for you. I saw something about you making up songs with your son. Yes. Uh, you talking about, dude, you talking about digging. <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing that. That's like <laughs> a hobby. That's a pastime. I bet her songs are probably a little bit better than the Henderson songs. I don't think. Well, <laughs> I was going to, th- you know, feel free to share. We've had some people <laughs> sing on the show. I think I've missed my calling. I should have been like a children's songwriter. I, I think that was that. my true calling. Yeah. yeah. Some, and and I, something about the way you're, because it's Simone with the Y. Yeah. And that, something about that, it, it's easy on the eyes or something. I like the way that looks. Yeah. Anyway. Flows. Let's talk about the Alexander Research Team. Awesome. ART. Yes. Oh, and she's like an that. artist. Yes. But, uh, no, I mean, that's that's what she's calling the, oh, the, yeah. the hey. people. Well, listen, oh, yeah. we eat up. Puns mm-hmm. and acronyms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. An alliteration. And if you can work that in, then <laughs> yeah, we'll have you, we'll have you back. Yeah. Um, I definitely intentionally did that instead of calling a research group or a research lab just so I could say hashtag artist. Awesome. For my awesome. Students. Well, so what's going on over there? I, I know that I'll lead in because I really want to find out about these spiders because I've been YouTube and I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> but uh, but so 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 what's happening uh, at the, with the with the research? Yeah, so I wanted an excuse for my research to do what I absolutely love, which is be out in nature, understand nature, and pursue and chase down all my curiosity about how living things work. And so in my group, we do everything from fundamental science to materials design, but all of that is inspired by things we see in biological systems. So in particular, I'm fascinated by motion, how things move from plants to spiders, as I'll talk about in a little bit. And so a lot of that is driven by very fundamental engineering and physics principles. So like if you think about fluid transport, a lot of times it's buildup of pressure um, or it is stretching and uh, releasing or it's swelling and contraction, things like that that are very easily described by physics and engineering. And so if we can study that biological system and figure out how it works, we can take those same principles and turn them into design parameters that we can then use to design uh, actuators, robots, soft materials, things like that, that nature has already kind of evolutionarily tested over over time. And so we know it's efficient. We know it's sustainable. Um so to speak. So that's what my group does. Right now, I have two active projects. One of them is in actually dietary fiber inspired sorbents. So the goal there is to use dietary fiber and how it um, survives in the intestine as a way to remove toxins from the human body. So like Metamucil or like stuff like that (laughs) close 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 so i can i can help you there too (laughs) (laughs) yeah we would appreciate your insight uh, i would appreciate him not (laughs) (laughs) just you know i'm gonna get you a lab coat yeah yeah yeah. take me in there (laughs) 
Hey, artists. Uh, Jerry's here. <laughs> Here's the fiber, man. Right. <laughs> uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. no, you're just, good. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, the idea is that um, when we eat high fiber foods, not only are they providing nutrients, but they're providing the bulk of like the gross stuff that comes out the other end. Yep. But with that gross stuff comes a lot of toxins. Um, if you think about diseases like end stage kidney disease, um, where people need dialysis, a lot of those things that your kidney and your liver would normally clear are actually produced in the intestinal tract. And so if we can start to remove them at the source, that can kind of alleviate the need for dialysis in the long term. And so since our dietary fiber kind of naturally does that, what I want to do is study what are the key features of dietary fiber that allows it to do that. And then we can design therapeutics that are a little bit better than just eating a whole bunch of plants, um, but are still bio-based and friendly to um, our digestive system. So my current students, Austin and Matthew, are working on that. Matthew has more of a... Um, kidney disease uh, approach or or focus. And then Austin is actually looking at delivering um, cancer therapeutics uh, for like colon cancer and things like that. So, a boy, Austin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good, yeah. Good for him. <laughs> well, I just love the biomedical work that we're doing across the across the college, across the university, but specifically in, in chemical engineering, uh, the work Elizabeth Lipke's doing, yes. the work that you're doing, the work Alan David, you know, we've got biomedical engineering mm-hmm. work going mm-hmm. on. Of the this. market, baby. Yeah, I mean, then you just, uh, even over mechanical, you know, some of the orthotic stuff, you know, that, that crosses ISE. Um, man, it's just inspiring. Yeah, it is inspiring. And I know, like, therapeutics, that means, like, pills and stuff oh yeah <laughs> i know that i've learned you're, that you, hey 104 or five episodes of this you, mm-hmm. you're picking I'm up beginning to understand yeah. some of these terms it's, like it's engineering amazing. yeah that's yeah. a that's one it's finally kind yeah. of settled on in on time that's an important yeah. one crazy but what professional gotta hear about spotters yeah yeah, gotta yeah. Know yes. about we got it we got to do oh this. my goodness okay because it so. seems like i mean am i wrong in thinking that this is like a fairly new I mean, you know, relatively new. No, I, spiders I, are pretty old. Well, no, the slingshot, <laughs> been here the, the you know, discovery. I mean, I don't know if like the species itself, but at the very least, the the research into what's happening with these guys. Yeah, yeah. So slingshot and ladies and ladies. Actually, the ladies are most important because the guys are actually tiny and they're hard to study because they're kind of like kinda yeah. Weak well, then and ladies. All right, screw them. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the ladies. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the ladies. More of a lady. Mm. I'm more of a Charlotte. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> So these slingshot spiders are pretty amazing. They were first described actually in the 1800s by a naturalist um, with the last name Kingston. He was walking through the Amazon rainforest in Brazil and noticed that these little spiders, instead of just kind of hanging out, waiting for insects to hit their web, they would build their web into a 3D slingshot. So, you know, those like traditional orb webs that you see that every like Charlotte's web, what's on the book? Well, instead of just having that orb, they build this additional line that we call a tension line and they attach it to the center. So what they can do is hold on to that main orb with their back legs and then with their front legs, they pull along that tension line. When they sense an insect, they can release that tension line and they go on this kind of like high speed joyride to catch their prey. Um, so it has like this net action going on and it can just catch stuff that hits its web, but it's a little bit more proactive than that. And so... The problem with studying these things or these spiders is twofold. One, they're tiny. Most of them are less than about two millimeters in size. Um, so hard to just see with the naked eye. The other thing is they're fast. They can accelerate 10 times faster than a cheetah. And so unless you have a high-speed camera, it's difficult to get some of the more quantitative or numerical data on them. 
So now that technology is pretty awesome and they have these high-speed cameras, so we could take those to the field. So we took them to the Amazon rainforest in Peru. And if you guys want, I can go tell you a little bit more about fieldwork in Peru later. We'll, we'll, we'll accompany you next time you go. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. perfect. Um, Marcus has a DSLR or whatever they are. Yeah, yeah he'll, a couple he'll of them, there. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, we took those as well as some Nikon macro lenses that allow you to kind of zoom in on small features. And it enabled us to kind of observe them in their natural habitat. So we could record how fast they were. We could really look at their web structure. We could also look at their loading and release. So what we thought or what the naturalist described previously is that they just kind of completely let go with their legs and they just flew backwards uncontrollably. But actually, the spider is letting go of tiny bundles of silk. So it has full control over how far back it goes, um, which is crazy because you think about how fast it's moving, the fact that there's probably friction that's stopping it. So there's a lot of biological kind of engineering that went on and evolution that went on to enable the spider to do this. Because not only does it have to move fast, it has to be able to stop in order to catch prey. So how is it surviving these like 130 G-forces in order to go catch its prey? So this was what I did during my postdoc at Georgia Tech was really the kind of first quantitative study of this. So we had a true understanding of what was going on and could actually visualize it and share it with others. Um, and what it's done is open a whole like Pandora's box of questions on, on how this works. So um, because I'm a polymer scientist um, at heart, we're picking up in my group a lot of the material side. So studying the web structure, um, what kind of material properties do you need to stretch and release something that fast over and over again? So, I mean, is it different than, you know, Charlotte's web? I mean, you know, like the the silk and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the main like, what's, questions what's, we have. I mean, what is what's, what is it? Exactly. That is our exact question. We don't know yet? We have no idea. The only thing that we know is that spiders do use um, proteins. So they can change their silk based on whatever they want to spin in the web. So the parts that make up kind of the circles that you see in the web, that's a different type of silk than those radial lines that come out. Um, They can add little sticky droplets to it if they want to catch insects a little better. They can do all kinds of things with their silk. Um, So it's highly likely that this slingshot spider, in order to keep it you think about a rubber band that you stretch and release, um, the stronger that rubber band is, the easier it'll be, or the more you can stretch and release it before it breaks. So what we think the slingshot spider is doing is introducing some sort of protein or some sort of arrangement of those proteins in order to allow it to stretch and release its web that many times in that fast. Some pig. I was about to say, it uses a different <laughs> silk when it's spelled some pig. <laughs> you know, was it humble? Probably. Humble. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me if this is it. I heard this many, many years ago that if you had spider web made of what they make it out of that was proportionate in size that it could catch a 747. Yeah, um, spider silk is tougher than Kevlar, which is used to make bulletproof vests. See, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, imagine a one as big as a 747, it could catch it. Let's get on that, Simon. <laughs> I mean, that, that'd be a good That'd defense. make a heck of a video. Yeah, I mean. There's <laughs> actually some crazy videos on YouTube of how to silk a spider. So they kind of um, drug the spider and kind of just like pull silk. And like habits, it's yeah, very strange. I swear There's I saw a like a Netflix documentary about this, yep. and they were making some sort of something insane out of it. I think milk was involved, or yeah, they've made milk. They've 
yeah, trained like spider goat. milk or, or goats. Or, yeah, somebody genetically oh. modified goats to produce that's spider silk in their milk. It's kind of <laughs> crazy. What it was. Yeah, that's what was it the same. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Like I had to like pause. It was like I don't know what I just saw. Like something's wrong here. And I was questioning almond milk. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, you don't want the spider. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say I'm good yeah, there. Stay yeah. away from goat milk. Simone, we could talk all day. I don't know how long we've gone. <laughs> Usually we keep these about twenty. But my lord, when we get some interesting folks, in here, yeah, it's a pain to have to turn it off. I know. But, well, that's why we're gonna have to have her come back. Maria Awad, you know who that is? Yeah. You over there with the CPAC with the, yes. the polymer folks? Yes. I can't sure. wait to see the impact over there. They're making waves. Hey, well, obviously. and it's gonna be great to get that um colloquium back in person mm-hmm. yes. you know start all that back up and yeah. and i'm sure you're ready to get things back For in person sure. in person normal yeah. you know these past couple months have been a little taste of normal but we're really hoping the fall is going to look yeah you'll really get to experience auburn the way it's supposed to be yeah i hope so and it's been nice even now to see more faces in the office when i first Came in to teach. It was like all doors yeah, closed, ghost right. town. Um, but I'm now just, I see more people. I mean, as, as a, a Georgia Tech grad too, I'm just so glad you're actually going to get a taste of real football for once. <laughs> I mean, that must I have been hope hell. we're going to get a taste of yeah, real football. This year. I, when I tell you, when I saw that stadium, my jaw dropped. So my undergrad institution not known. In fact, people went to see the band, not the football team. Mm, well, so when I saw this football this is, stadium, this, this is the good year where we have Alabama and Georgia at home, and so. Especially if they start playing swag surfing and you see and you <laughs> oh, see yeah. those students, it's something I'll to see. I'll be right there with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Well, and if you want to see her, uh, Simone, in an acting debut, you can check out our signing day oh, video. Yeah, you yes. can check out our signing day video. <laughs> that we oh, you were great. Yes. Love your yes. work. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Thanks. telling you, I missed my. I should have gone into yeah. the arts. Yeah, I know. Hey, okay. You're in the arts. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Simone. Really appreciate yep. it. Thank Praise you, War Eagle. Well. War Eagle.